Hey, podcast followers. If you're wondering where the bleep has Perry been, well, I'm still here, still kicking, I'm still live. And uh, we're just recording this here on Saturday, September 4th, uh, Memorial Day weekend here, or Labor Day. I always confuse those two. And going to give you the life rundown here. So uh, I've been super busy. I've been focusing on other creative projects. I know you, everybody in my Facebook group, if you're on LinkedIn with me, or you attend a lot of you know live optical sessions with me, you know I'm still around. But I've uh, been struggling really to find my life trajectory, professional tra trajectory of what do I want to do like in this career. I love optical, I love eye care, I love software and automation and innovation, and I'm an entrepreneur deep down at heart. Um, I even you know when I was 14, I even painted uh, addresses on curbs uh, to make money. I would charge 15 bucks a pop. You know, I'd walk away with, you know, 80, 100 bucks a, a day in the summer. And that, that was great when I was 14. And so uh, just been really figuring out, man, what can I really do? And, you know, you can't shit out these ideas. And I know many of you in practice who are or you own other companies on the B2B side. It's just like, man, I want to come up with a better idea, but I don't know what to do. And uh, finally came to me and I started a company 10 months ago called I Help You. And... It's a remote staffing as a service company. We all know that hiring is really hard, but you may not realize this, but the rest of the world has been working remote for really the past 10 years. And I strongly believe that non-patient facing duties and tasks do not need to be done in the office. So that means answering the phone, doing clerical work like posting payments, checking the status of lab jobs, submitting IRA orders, uh, you can even scribe virtually in an exam room. So rather than stressing yourself out of how do I hire you know, within 10 miles radius of my office and find qualified people, um, I landed on the idea that we have to be clever in our hiring solutions to get top talent who can work remote to get the job done and make our lives easier. And so I spent the past 10 months uh, building this concept and uh, what it's resulted in over 17 practices and 40 plus team members um, and really high quality practices supporting uh, their infrastructures. And I got super deep involved in that, which has consumed a lot of my time and I've been having a lot of fun. And going back to my consulting expertise, when I first kind of uh, got into this independent route, I'm using that to improve the workflows and efficiencies, efficiencies of these offices and implementing technology so all this can work. So uh, that's what I've been up to, and um, you can go on the show, the link in the show notes. You can check out my website and stuff. But um, basically, you can hire somebody within, you know, three days, and they can start working in your office. They're all opticians or certified on ophthalmic tech, so they know what the hell they're doing. Um, they don't know these are all internationals, by the way. They speak fluent English; it's their first language. Uh, they don't know about VSP and IMED, but they they do know what OS and OD is and uh, what an anti-reflective coating is and can answer all your eye care questions. So you're not starting from scratch, um, but they're all, you know, 25 to, you know, 50. So they're all very tech savvy. Think about it this way. If it involves phones or a computer, this person can do it 5,000 miles away. They can answer the phone for your practice. They can plug right into, you know, your little mini call center that you run. They can remote into your, your practice, whether it's cloud-based or server-based, you know, all these systems exist to get the work done without being physically present. So don't suffer in your office. Just think differently 
hire differently and have some trust that you can still control somebody, monitor them, and set them up for success even if they live you know, in, in Zimbabwe. Anyways, uh, hopefully I'll be around a little more to, to record these podcasts here and uh, enjoy this one about vision therapy. Oh, by the way, a few other projects I've been working on that are coming out that are consuming my time. Um, I'm on like the 21st episode coming up on Wednesday of Optical Obsessed Live. It's a live optical training talk show that I host. Uh, it's completely free. There's no advertising. I literally just come up with a topic every single week and educate about it. Last week, it was inventory management on eyewear, credits, how to buy, what to buy, budgeting. Uh, I've discussed private label lenses, uh, lab pricing. We've talked about computer progressives, clip-ons, and like so many other technical or retail sales topics. And additionally, I also have a dry eye mentorship coaching session that I'm launching here uh, at the end of September. And it's going to be six weeks of dry eye education. There's no CE, CE involved. Um, the reason we, I did no CE is I didn't want pharma involved. I don't want the rules of CE. I just want to be talk talk off the cuff, honestly, about business strategy, pricing, um, all this stuff. And I've got some of the top dry eye doctors uh, in the nation, including my dad, uh, to, to run this thing. I'm going to be moderating it since I don't have all the clinical expertise. But uh, I'm going to be driving that out here. You'll see that on social media pretty soon but basically it's going to be like a killer crash course on dry eye um it's q a based there's no slide deck so just come ask questions it'll be a really informal session uh, come on video it'll be really fun all right back to the show we all know that riches are in the niches and soon riches are going to be in telemedicine and telemedicine is not just looking at someone's wart uh through their computer screen or doing refractions, we're actually getting into telemedicine with visual therapy. And we have Edward Marcus here, he's with Vision Science Labs, and he's gonna share with us innovations in the vision therapy space. You know, I have I have really not much interest in vision therapy, probably because it's kind of old school and I see the tennis ball hanging on the ceiling and it's usually a room with a bunch of toys. And uh, for a child, it's probably very entertaining, but for uh, a young male like me, myself, young adult, it's not very entertaining. So. Um, we're going to explore how optometrists can use uh, kind of telemedicine to gamify vision therapy, create more revenue, provide better tools to patients. And we're also going to talk about telemedicine in general, because in optometry and ophthalmology, it's way underutilized, way underutilized. And I've used telemedicine myself the past uh, couple times over, over the pandemic. It was absolutely wonderful, by the way. Now, did the doctors have personalities? Did they... You know, not really because we're looking through a screen, but you know, I didn't really care for personality. I just wanted the care I needed. Yo, yo, my name is Perry Brill, entrepreneur. Yeah, it's a big deal. We talk about all things I care because I care about I care technology, I wear so many revolutionary things in. I care tech startups and innovation the coolest I care stuff in the nation are you an eye doc or an optician doesn't really matter cuz we cook it in the kitchen yeah so uh, welcome to the podcast Edward oh, thank you it's great to be here 
Well, Edward, tell us a little about Vision Science Labs. Like, how did you get into tech? Uh, what's your journey been kind of the past, you know, let's say 10 years? Sure, sure. So uh, Vision Science Labs is a software company that provides um, a platform for vision therapy with a lot of uh, comprehensive tools uh, that's very friendly to be used in conjunction with a telehealth visit. So um, I started, uh, I graduated UCLA in East Asian studies. So basically it was, uh, it's a degree in learning Mandarin and Japanese. And, you know, I really loved it. After I graduated, I started working for a software company doing uh, enterprise sales for uh, life insurance and fintech. Um, and so after doing that for a few years and getting to know software very well, getting to, you know, set up corporations with, uh, with software solutions that, you know, that are just, you know, corporate, corporate wide and very complex. Um, I decided, well, I got a little burnt out, but also my passion was, you know, in East Asian studies where I, uh, where I, graduated where I have the degree in and uh, decided to move to uh, Asia after many years of doing enterprise sales. Um, what fascinated you about Asia? Was it the culture, the food, the people, the economy? It was really all the above. I mean, um, when I was in high school, I did a sister city program and it was between my city where I grew up in, in uh, Torrance, which is a suburb of Los Angeles, and Kashiwa, Japan, which is a suburb of Tokyo. So when I went there, I was kind of inspired. Um, I, was, I was 15, I had such a major culture shock that got along with it. And um, I just kind of fell in love with that culture. And then, you know, it just proceeded on. Actually, I would save my money throughout the year to go back during the summer times ever since then. And then when I got into university, I said, you know what, let's, let's major in this. And uh, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. And I still travel a lot too. In fact, I'm calling you right now from uh, Mexico city, but um, my company is based in Palo Alto. Okay. All right. Wonderful. And so what was that pivotal point where you got into eye care? Was there some, like you're at a bar, you just had like an epiphany or you're reading discord or, you know, how did you, find that way into eye care. So when I went to Asia, I was doing independent contracting and then eventually started a, a software company that did, um, that was part like online tutoring and part business English testing. So um, that's where I got my uh, entrepreneurial software startup experience. Uh, we were then acquired and that's when I moved back to the United States and more specifically to the Bay Area. Um, while I was back in the Bay Area, I started doing some consulting for other software startups. And um, a friend of mine introduced me to a vision scientist who was working at a program that was doing vision therapy in schools for students who were having reading problems. And she needed help. The software was so old. She needed help updating the software, like not just, you know, to make it look better, but also to, to put it online. And when I'm looking, I was like, well, not only can we accomplish that, but we can also gamify the software as well. So I was working with her to gamify it. And 
when I learned more about vision therapy as an industry, um, you know, I saw the software that was there and thought, okay, you know what? A lot of it just needs to be gamified. There are some really cool graphics that are used, like Randot stereograms and other anaglyphs. And I was just thinking, you know, it's so easy to take these exercises and just make them entertaining while also being therapeutic for the eyes. So that's pretty much how I got uh, introduced to the industry. And then from that point on, you know, I've just been coming up with more ideas and how to increase compliance. And now we're at a point where, you know, how do we make it easier for a doctor to connect via telehealth um, with a patient doing vision therapy? So for people that are not as familiar with vision therapy, can you kind of describe the in-office protocols that usually happen? Yeah, so uh, typically vision therapy can last depending on, you know, how severe the case is. A lot of them are done for amblyopia or strabismus, and it can take anywhere from three months to sometimes over a year. So a patient would go into a clinic weekly. They would do exercises that can include exercises that can be done digitally uh, online. But then there are also uh, open space exercises that use something called a Marston ball and things that would just be uh, done, um, you know, in an open space and not just at a computer. Um, so you do that about once a week for that period. And uh, when your therapy is done, then um, you know, you're able to uh, you're able to see see better. You're able to uh, track better. You're able to verge your eyes better. Um, sometimes it's used in, uh, for sports performance. And, uh, in that case, it's not about getting your, uh, your binocular vision up to par. It's about, you know, improving upon, uh, your binocular vision to increase like your reaction time, for example, and the way you, uh, process, uh, visual information. Add -on yeah. And I think we all know that the gaming market, especially is is huge i mean it's massive i'm not a gamer like by any means the last system i bought i think was a wii that was probably 15, 13 15 years ago <laughs> and it uh -huh. just sits in a box and i probably should take it to gamestop and sell it <laughs> but um that's a huge market like these these people are making a lot of money they're streaming on twitch and then i'm sure a lot of pro athletes have a lot of vision therapy they do to increase reaction times and dribbling and stuff now Right. From a practice management standpoint, I think a lot of optometrists are not so interested in vision therapy because a lot of times it, it's a sales process. Uh, what's your a typical range you see for in-person vision therapy? $3,000, $5,000, 7000 maybe? Yeah, I mean, I've seen it for as low as 3000 and as high as 10000 yeah. And so I think most of that depends on the amount of time it takes to uh, to complete the therapy. Yeah. And I think the whole goal of vision therapy for what I see is, hey, I have a child. I need them to perform well in school. I don't want them to get made fun of. I don't want them looking you know, way out there with their eye turned. Um, their, their reading skills are not where they should be. Is that kind of some of the reasons people are getting vision therapy? Yeah, that on top of you know their an amateur athlete or a pro athlete, and they want to improve their performance. Uh, but also, especially during COVID, because a lot of people have increased their screen time, we've noticed a lot of cases of people getting digital eye strain a lot earlier in the day. 
And so uh, vision therapy uh, can help with digital live stream as well. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we need technology to fix all of our technology problems. Like one of the things I always want to buy, yeah. I should just pony up and buy it. It's only like 50 bucks. It's a water bottle that um, it tracks your intake and it's connected to a Bluetooth app. So, you know, every time you're taking a swig, it's tracking that and it's reminding you, you know, it's kind of, um, uh, it's like a health tech overlap. You know, I love it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, currently for things like digital eye strain, you have the, the traditional 20-20-20 rule, which is you look away from the screen every 20 minutes at something 20 feet away for 20 seconds and continue doing that. It's sort of like a reminder to, you know, just like a reminder to drink more water, you know, it's a reminder to just, you know, relax your eyes every so often. Um, and in this case, you know, we, we've sort of developed a technology door. Well, you don't quite need to look away from a screen. You can sort of play like a video game for a period of time to help uh, relax your eyes. Right, so. right. So uh, we love practice management on this podcast and we love produce, producing revenue opportunities. And this is something that you're helping us with. So l let's get into that. The benefit or well, let's. Let's talk about one of the bottlenecks that a vision therapy practice has. Uh, let's say it's a full-blown vision therapy practice. It's your main form of practice. You know, 80% of your revenue is coming from that. The doctor many times is the bottleneck. You only can see so many patients, right? You generally only have one or two exercise rooms, I'm going to call it. But with if you can add this digital component to your therapy solutions and allow the patient to do that home, you can almost have infinite Ex slots for patient care and follow-up and, and, and maintenance. Right. So you're extending your office outside of your vision therapy practice to your patient's home. Is that kind of the way you look at it? Uh, sort of. So, I mean, so number one, we're, we're an adjunct to care. And um, before COVID, a lot of the, the vision therapy practices were, were very adamant about having patients go into the clinic to do our exercises in conjunction with the open space exercises. And then it sort of turned into something that uh, is more of a hybrid model where, you know, they can see a patient once a week in the clinic and then once a week via, via telemedicine. And now we're starting to see more vision therapy practices doing, you know, almost 100% vision therapy uh, via telehealth. So that's how that's changed. Our software is used uh, in the clinic as a part of the uh, the regimen for uh, for it's part of the therapy for training the eyes in the clinic, but it's also used uh, in between visits, almost like homework. So with our software, they're actually able to um, assign these exercises as homework that they would do on a daily basis or every every other day in between visits to um, to increase the uh the compliance the uh well to increase well increasing compliance is where our gamification comes okay. in but um it just it just helps the uh the whole process move along a lot faster and smoother. okay and i kind of um, equate this to you know this whole vision therapy thing online is uh, i have a friend who's taking singing lessons but she's taking them in person she realized that she why am I taking singing lessons like in person when I can take them online too to supplement things? And I thought, you know, that's a great idea. 
Like why she doesn't want to do just one lesson. She wants to do two or three lessons a week so she can do one in person, maybe one on Zoom a week. So that's two a week. Um, so let's dig into the actual product. Let's visualize what is Vision Science Lab. So first of all, um, walk me through the patient experience, doctor experience together. How would a, a doctor, an optometrist, and a clinic uh, prescribe this type of tool and put this in motion? Sure. So after evaluating a patient, um, the doctor has the ability to know exactly you know, how the, the therapy should go for the next X number of months. So um, what they would do is they would go into our software and choose from a series of different exercise categories, which have a lot of uh, activities within them. And uh, what they would do is just create sort of like a regimen, like, okay, we would do these activities in the office and these can be done at home in between. And visits. give us some examples so of those at home ones. Sure. Um, well, for example, like the three main categories for vision therapy is vergences, tracking, and accommodation. So a, a lot of the exercises are things that they would do in the clinic, but they would also assign it at home. So there's really not too much of a distinction between, you know, with the exercise that we provide doing it in the clinic versus at home. Um, in the clinic, what, what would typically happen is after the evaluation, they go in, they'd find the exercises that would best fit the patient's needs. And um, they could adjust the settings and you know they can make they can make the settings go from very easy to very hard. And so um, whenever they go into a clinic, it's almost like they're uh, readjusting the settings for the next week of homework to make it just a little bit more difficult to advance them through the therapy. I understand. Okay. And how is this data reported back to the doctor's office to make sure, you know, the child is actually doing it. Maybe they're having trouble logging in. Just I'm thinking of technological glitches. I forgot the password, you know, so we want to call the parent like, Hey, I noticed you aren't logging in, but you're paying for it. Like, is it, do you have a way of helping um, families monitor that? Yeah, so we have a, a clinician portal where the clinician creates a, and does the assignments and does some evaluation, see what assignment works best in the settings. And then there's a specialized patient portal, which is very patient friendly, which they take those assignments and they, they do them as prescribed. And every time they do them, it automatically takes the results. So, you know, the date and time that they did them the results of the exercise and uh, puts it puts it onto the uh, clinician side. The cl so the clinician is able to log in and see if they're in compliance or not. But as far as the other thing, like, like forgetting the password and all that, that's probably our biggest uh, tech support issue is them forgetting the password. And it's usually as simple as, okay, go to the login screen and click forgot passwords. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know it is. So we're all, we're all so bad about it. We have to forget our password about three times before we remember to save it. Yeah, I right. love the uh, <laughs> the new email magic link thing. Have you seen that? No. Oh, it's like if you forget your password, they just email you um, this magic link and it signs you in. So I, I love it. Oh, okay. Yes, like Slack has that, like the magic link login. Yeah, it's cool. It's, it's like yeah, it's like. Um, Okay, so that all makes sense. Now, tell us about your, I think it's patent pending technology. 
you know, we would think for this type of thing, we would need some type of like 3D glasses or like a VR headset, you know, things are trending that way. Tell us the technology that's actually allowing us to um, do all this, these visual exercises on a tablet. I believe you can do it on a smartphone, really any device, correct? Uh, correct, yes. Um, that part is not patent pending. Oh, okay. So, um, but uh, what what we what we have the ability to do in our platform is this, and this is why it works so well with telehealth, is that we're able to, um, instead of just screen sharing via telehealth, where you know they you give a patient an assignment and then they log into their account and they use it and you're just looking at their screen and they're doing it. Well, what we gave the ability to do was um, give the patient a, uh, a special link with a special password that they can type in. And now a clinician is able in pretty much real time, um, able to give them an assignment with very specific settings and the patient's actually able to do it on their computer screen in real time, while also adjusting the uh, stimuli that they've assigned to the patient based on their screen size. So it doesn't matter if the clinician's using a screen that's 28 inches or the patient's using a screen that's you know maybe 12 inches, um, our software is able to, uh, to translate that difference and still give the exact settings that the clinician wants them to do on the patient's screen. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes complete sense. And during uh, all these training exercises, the patient is wearing, I forgot what the little glasses are called. Uh -huh. um, well, we use, uh, for, for our software specifically, we use red, blue 3D glasses right. in order to do it. Yeah. So with the goal being to separate the eyes and uh, have two stimuli in the screen, red and blue, and then uh, one side suppresses the color of the other side. And that's how we're actually able to uh, give the, uh, the, therapeutic uh, the, the therapeutic effect to it, um, as opposed to just not wearing any 3D glasses where it'd be much more difficult uh, to, to, really, to really get that effect. Okay, and I've seen some of the games that you share and I think that's the most important part about this is the end user is a child likely, and they want it to be fun. So how have you created that fun atmosphere? You know, do you got like Pac-Man? Are we shooting, you know, ships and planes down? Like what's actually, are we playing Pong? Yeah. So, um, I mean, whenever we think of a vision exercise that needs to be done, um, we, we sort of like take the, the base science behind it and we just add game elements to it. So, for example, like, you know, instead of it just being a, uh, you know, uh, a land dot C on the screen, you know, we'll, we'll turn it into like a character. Um, the other things that, that are really neat with it is that um, almost all of our exercises have a, a point system at the bottom. And so we, we actually give a score and the scores, uh, you know, it's not too important for a clinician. It's important for the patient so that they know that, you know, every time they do it, they can get a higher score on this. But at the same time, while, while they're getting the score, we're also measuring other things like their break and their recovery uh, in 
and diopters on there. And we just want to really focus on the compliance. The other neat thing is, you know, we were able to develop, uh, we were able to develop the uh, Randot technology to really turn it into a video game. And so right now we have a space shooter, we have Pong. And so in the future, we hope to develop a lot more uh, video games using the Randot uh, using the Randot technology, and um, you know we're just able to effectively do that and make it sort of fun to do that. In fact, it's been so fun for patients that you know we did have our software, you know, unfortunately, you know, go down for about six hours or so, and the patients, these kids, are letting their parents know. Their parents let the clinicians know, and then then they let us know. And so, although you know, as a software company, we never want the software to be down. It was kind of nice to know that you know the kids were uh, complying with it so much to where it's like, hey, you know, why can't I, why can't I do this right now? <laughs> Go contact the company. I want to do my vision care. <laughs> and they so, had no clue. It, you know, it's, it's good when they don't know what they're they're actually doing. Kind of like you know, hey, I'm going to sneak vegetables into this you know meatloaf or something like that. You know. Exactly. Yeah. And, and that was the whole goal. Like, you know, just being able to take these, these exercises and really turn them into games that increase compliance. And we're constantly doing things like that. So it's not just like adding a score to it or making it very interesting, like the random, but even doing the individual exercises on the patient side, you know, they'll have a list of exercises with a star next to them. And uh, once they complete an exercise, they get a star. And then when they complete all the stars, they get reward exercises. So we're constantly trying to do things to uh, improve compliance. Um, in the very uh, in the very near future, you know, we're going to have the ability for them to see, you know, how well they measure up against, you know, other people using it or uh, professional athletes using it, just to make it a little bit well, more. That'd be fun. It's kind of like a Peloton, you know, with the cycling. It's like, hey. I want to compete against my friend Bobby or, you know, some big athlete. I feel like I can beat them or something. Right. Right. Yeah. So, um, so we're, we're playing around with the idea of uh, having leaderboards on there and it's not just good for the patient to see, but also having the points and leaderboards and all that kind of helps the clinician as well, because, you know, the clinicians are kind of like coaches through this. And, you know, when they see it, it's like, okay, you know, the points don't mean too much to me, but to the patient, you know, let's see how high of a score you can get, or let's see how high in the leaderboard you can get and really help to encourage the patient. Mm -hmm. Now, tell me about the validation of this type of software. I think you've had a, num a number of uh, noteworthy uh, clinicians and physicians um, coach you through this because, you know, you're a tech guy. You're not a, um, you're a mad scientist, but you're not a doctor, right? Uh, right. So how have you clinically verified that this is accurate, this is working, this is showing improvements to people's vision? Right. So, I mean, we've been around for the first iteration of our software is about a year and a half ago. And um, ever since then, you know, we've seen, we've seen clinics, you know, use it. Um, some of them, it's their primary source of uh, digital exercises. Others, it's, you know, in, in conjunction with some uh, other exercises. So that's really the best way of validation 
for this, for the vision therapy side is, you know, clinics are using it and they're able to see um, results and outcomes in their patients. Okay. Have you had any advisory, clinical advisory or any professional doc, you know, doctors help you, you know, verify this, these findings and stuff? Yeah, so um, we have uh, we have two clinical advisors who actually helped us build the software for their particular practices. And so they're sort of helping us to not just build it, but also to improve, up, improve upon it as well, because there are a lot of uh, exercises that we have that there are um, other companies that do them, but they just don't have all the settings that the clinician wants. So we're constantly like adding to it to make sure that, you know, we're, we're, we're able to enable, uh, we're actually able to um, get the clinician to give them everything they need to give them the best, you know, uh, vision therapy for their patient. It's part of the industry that, um, you know, a lot of the softwares out there don't, don't have, you know, all the validation for all the exercises that they do. And basically what, what we're kind of doing is, you know, taking the exercises that, that have been validated many years in the past, have been used in vision therapy clinics for many years. And all, all we're doing is gamifying it, you know, for extra compliance. So it's really the, the difference between us and them is that ours are just more fun to use instead of just being a stimuli and a screen that beeps and boops. Yeah. Okay, so there's existing software out there that does similar things. It's older software, and I'm sure most of the clinics are using uh, that software. What's the key differentiation between some of the older software products out there and something new like yours? So the real big thing is that the platform that we use and the gamification of the exercises. So we start off with the gamification of the exercises and, uh, you know, we do that for compliance, but the platform we use, we wanted to make it simple for a clinician to uh, access them and use them in the clinic, but also be able to assign them as homework to a patient and for the patient to just be able to log in and know exactly what to do right off the bat by giving them really detailed instructions okay. on doing it. The other side to our platform is that uh, is a connection via telehealth. And that's, you know, we just made it very simple for a clinician to say, okay, you know what, I'm going to assign you this exercise with these settings, click a button patient patients on their computer and they can go do it right away without having to refresh their screen and all that. So we tried to make it as um, telehealth friendly as possible. And so that's the big difference is, you know, we have a lot of different exercises. We're constantly adding to it, adding more settings to it, but also the, the platform that we're on just making it simple to prescribe and um, assign daily assignments while also being able to track those assignments. We have a very powerful reporting tool so the unique thing with that part is that every time a clinician changes the setting on there, then it kind of invalidates the, the, the report that the patient's using as, as they go through the therapy process. What we've done is we've been able to create reports that are actually able to show that, okay, the clinician was able to move to, to change the stimulus from a big ball to a small ball at this point and being able to 
track the progress at that point. And whenever there's a change, it just, it sort of indicates it on the graph. And so it really is a very comprehensive uh, single report throughout therapy, as opposed to multiple reports, which would, which would have to be done whenever they change something small on um, small in one of the exercises. So that's another big uh, differentiator that we have. Mm -hmm. And what does success look like from, you know, the parent's eyes or the child's eyes? Is it, is it verbal feedback, you know, that the parents, you know, are they, I'm not going to say they're crying, but from your experience, has anybody reached out and said, Hey, like, I thank you so much, Edward, for developing this, like this changed my child's life or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually we get a lot of compliments from parents on, the gamification element of it because they're paying so much for vision therapy sometimes that um, they're just really happy that their kid is able to, you know, five days a week or seven days a week, you know, go in there each day and just say, Hey, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do my homework now and just get right to it. But we get a lot of uh, compliments from clinicians as well, because, you know, we're, we're very easy to use. Um, their patients are happy and, you know, they're able to see outcomes with the software. And so we get a lot of that coming in as well. Okay. Now let's hop into the revenue model because um, there's got to be a profit motive to do this, of course. And I think the way it works is people just buy um, a subscription license to your software and then the doctor sells that license to the patient and it's like a monthly fee. Uh, describe that for us. Sure. So, um, so a clinician will purchase X number of licenses for X number of months, and then we price it to where a clinician's able to charge anywhere from 3x to uh, 6x to the patient um, via a software fee for that's a part of the overall vision therapy. So a lot of clinicians look at us as, well, okay, you know, I, I pay X amount of money for you guys and I can get X amount of return when I start doing therapy with the patient. Um, so right now we're, we're developing, um, Right now, we offer a vision therapy uh, platform that's very comprehensive and designed for people who do weekly vision therapy. But we're coming out with another product right now that does almost like um, like a minor version of vision therapy, and this is where uh, this is where uh, primary care opto optometrists can come in and see if a patient has convergence insufficiency or eye strain and actually have a solution for them. And this is uh, the model for more uh, asynchronous care. So they're able to see, okay, you know, they have digital eye strain. All I can do is say, well, do the 20-20-20 rule every so often, or now they can offer this version of vision science labs that is asynchronous to where they can give it to them. And this product is geared, it, this product looks more like uh, a patient logs in and it automatically moves them through the three primary uh, vision therapy exercises, which is virgins, tracking, and accommodation. It gets them to go through that um, almost self-guided and automated. If I were to rephrase that, what you're saying is, uh, like I said at the beginning, Usually vision therapy practices are all in like 80, 90% vision therapy. You're saying a prime, uh, refra a more refractive optometrist or someone that's doing dry eye glaucoma 
you know, et cetera, they can start to dabble in, in vision therapy without having to do this whole full blown model. Exactly. And so we, we, had, we had some goals with that. So, well, the first off, um, we saw, we saw that there were a lot of uh, primary care optometrists that, you know, wanted to offer vision therapy, but there was the bottleneck of, you know, everything that goes on in the operations, and then you need a bigger office to do that and takes time to build up a practice like that. So a lot of primary care optometrists, you know, didn't want to didn't want to dabble in that. But the problem is that, you know, especially after COVID and extra screen time, they're seeing an increase in people with digital eye strain and, you know, conversion insufficiency and just a lot of pain when, when reading. And they really had no solution to offer them other than, you know, if it was really bad, they can refer them to a vision therapist. But at the same time, you know, the, the amount of uh, vision therapy clinics, um, around the world are very sparse. So it's either, you know, they, they're, they're too far from a clinic or they're far and they have to drive, you know, a couple of hours just to get there and back every week. Um, and so what we wanted to do is give a solution to primary care uh, optometrists where they can just give them uh, this piece of software and um, just let the patient go at their own pace. And so it doesn't require like synchronous care, like like lazy eye or strabismus or conditions like that really require that. You can keep, provide more asynchronous care when you're doing, uh, when you're solving for something like convergence insufficiency or digital eye strain. So, so we wanted to open up the doors to first enable primary care to you know, dabble in vision therapy, but then we also have a solution to where if they want to go deeper into it, we have the solution for them where they can go deeper into vision therapy and start doing, offering weekly visits and dealing with more severe binocular vision conditions. And I, I kind of want to mention that in terms of, from a practice management perspective and business perspective, when you go to the optometrist and you get an eye exam, if the doctor has something new, something different, you got to have one little hook that will lock your patients in to keep coming back. So that could be, uh, wow, they have uh, eyewear with, you know, Swarovski crystals on it and they're $800 and you're going to always attract that patient. But for this, it's like, man, I went there and they have this cool, they have uh, VSL, I'm going to call it VSL light. And it yeah. keeps that patient like, wow, this is new. I'm going to come back every year. I don't want to switch doctors. They're not going to have this. And so you always have to have that little bait that keeps people coming back and back and back. And I think the good thing about this is, you know, what's good for the patient is good for the practice. So they're working in harmony with each other. We're not just selling them to sell it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, in addition to that, uh, we've incorporated into the platform that when the clinician uh, prescribes, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, v VT whole or VT light, um, the patient on their end is actually able to see the prescribing clinician uh, at that point and their, their, their contact information. So even though they're like, you know, they've, they've been doing VT light for a year and haven't seen of the VT since then, they can always go back onto the platform and say, okay, who prescribed that to me? They can go in and contact them from there. We also have the ability to link their uh, calendar to the patient to schedule uh, something, you know, instantly. 
um, within our platform from the patient side. So we wanted to not just, you know, have these clinics differentiate themselves from other clinics who are not using the software, but when they do start using software, we wanted to keep that connection together. So we have, so we built that into the software as well to where, you know, they can remember that clinician's name, the address and be able to contact them again and, um, you know, get very good care. That is a good point. Sometimes you forget who you went to. Like, gosh, what is the dentist name yeah. from three years ago? You're like, you exactly. end up Googling it and going through 40 Google listings to find that last name. Yeah, right. So, um, <laughs> I understand you have some other telemedicine products that are going to be entering the market. Um, before we get into that, I would like to talk about just telemedicine as a whole, the way you, you view it, and you know how does it kind of fit into the web 3.0 that you know we're hearing this buzz term. Uh-huh, right. So let's have that kind of holistic conversation. What is telemedicine? Where does it fit into eye care? I mean, for telemedicine, it's really just that, you know, connection between the doctor and a patient. And, you know, in, typically in, in, in telemedicine software, you know, you have that Zoom connection. It's just a camera connection between them. And then you have... Uh, other telemedicine platforms that have the ability, like let's say it's in uh, it's in uh, general health, for example, they have areas where they could easily, you know, prescribe certain medicines to a patient and send out reminders and have all those bells and whistles. The difference between telemedicine and eye care is that you know we deal with the eyes, right? And if you're having problems seeing a screen and, you know, it makes telemedicine a little bit more difficult. So what we had to do is really figure out a way to make that easier. And the way, the way we did that was just, you know, creating a, uh, a software solution that just made it easy for a clinician to actually provide something like an assessment on a screen, on a patient screen specifically, that they can do on their end and a clinician can, uh, can observe while they're doing it. When we do assessment, like what, what are we assessing? Give us a, an example, because this happened during the pandemic. All of a sudden, um, doxy.me, I think was free. It may still be free. You know, they opened it up, which is, that's a great thing to do, by the way, like I'll get people to start utilizing it. Um, and there's been other telemedicine specific companies within eye care that I think haven't done so well, just because it's like, mm -hmm. What can we do? We have these eyes. We right. need to look for bleeding. We need to, um, you know, we have a cat scratch the eye. Then doctors are worried about liability, malpractice. You know, there's a lot of crap. Um, now, this is funny because my dad, who's an optometrist, has been doing telemedicine for the past 10 years. It just wasn't called telemedicine. It was called, right, patient. Right. I'm not getting my ass out of bed at 11 p.m. at night. Send me a... Uh, a, a text message picture of your eye and I'm going to assess it and it works. You can tell you can like, right. okay, yeah, this right. is, this is bad. Or your retina is detaching. You know, that's telemedicine. It doesn't have to be through this live right. video connection per se. Right. Yeah. So, um, I mean, even in our VT, uh, software, you know, we're able to, you know, tell a patient to be X amount of distance from a screen so that when they're doing an exercise like, uh, like convergence, for example, they're actually able, we're actually able to calculate at what point uh, they're able to break in recovery in diopters with a level of accuracy as long as, you know, the patient keeps their, their head 
at a certain distance from a screen. Um, and so with, with telemedicine, you know, we didn't want to re for our platform specifically, um, we don't have the camera element. We can actually take like a zoom room or a doxy room that's public. The clinician can put it into their platform and connect with the patient VR software with that because we don't want to reinvent the wheel that's already been done. What we wanted to do was uh, make those those video solutions a lot more powerful, and that's where we developed. Uh, that's where we developed the, uh, the the remote connection features that that we did, and the what what we sort of realized in doing that was you know it's not just a video of the, the doctors here in this location and the patients here in, in this location um, with this remote connect. It's almost as if they're in the office next to the doctor as much as can be. Okay, give us a use case uh, for this. Like, how would I use it today? Um, throw out some condition, you know, I woke up with. You woke up with um, eye strain. <laughs> more like, more like, you know, you were, um, you were at work and you spent a long day at work and, you know, you're so focused on the computer that four hours into work, you're starting to see a blurriness and double vision and your eyes start hurting. And it's been, you know, kind of chronic and over time, it's just starting to get worse. Okay. So you would go to a clinician for that. I see. Okay. We're not going for, mm -hmm. hey, my eyeball uh, ha has a speckle of blood on it. That's not the use case. Correct. For our specific platform, no. I mean, you can do that with, you know, a video platform like Zoom or, or Doxy um, to be able to assess conditions like that. Um, for us, it's about, you know, creating stimuli in the screen that can, you know, be used in conjunction with, 3D glasses or not, have it sized adjusted for that patient screen specifically to get as close to accurate results as possible. Okay. I understand that. So it's kind of like you're, you're kind of triaging it almost like, hey, you know, is this something I need to be concerned about and come in? Or is there something I can do from home to help me, you know, alleviate some of this pain that I'm experiencing? You know, Correct. And in the case of like, you know, being able to measure, you know, their break and recovery for convergence, I mean, they're able to have the patient, you know, put on the glasses, go in their computer and do a few of our virgins exercises and see how well they're doing or do something like, uh, like a, a stereo acuity test to see their uh, to see their level of stereo depth, for example. So, so those are some things that uh, that we can do, that we can assess um, on the platform as well with with real numbers via via a, a a telehealth session that you just can't do with a simple video connection. Okay, I gotcha. And it's all browser, you know, browser based, right? So it's there's nothing advanced to download and things like that. Exactly, and we want to keep it that way too. Is we wanted to make it easy for a clinician to. Uh, give to a patient, but also for a patient to log in as well, because a lot of times, you know, they're in vision therapy, for example, there's a lot of kids that they deal with, but also there's the other side to it where they're, they're dealing with uh, seniors. And so we just wanted to make it as simple as possible and as uh, accessible as possible as well. Okay. Now, I understand it. Uh, anything up the pipeline um, in, in the future here or anything else you want to mention? Um, 
I mean, for us as a company, so we are a software company, but also you can consider us a technology company. So what we're working on the future is, you know, being able to provide a lot more assessments via telehealth um, that require as little to no hardware as possible. So, um, and so in order for us to do that, the big deal is, well, we need it to be, you know, not just easy to use and accessible, but, you know, we want it to be uh, affordable and accurate. So we're going to be playing around with some uh, hard hardware tools in the future and just uh, seeing, you know, what works best, what's the most affordable, and, uh, and then validating that research uh, before launching it, you know, into the uh, optometric community or the eye care. Community. And that, that's fascinating that you say that you want to try to do these things without hardware, because I just went to Vision Expo East in New York City, a lot of hardware hanging from the head at a lot of yeah. booths. And um, right. I would assume the hardware is not as expensive today to buy. Uh, it's more of the software that's connected to it. That's the pricey portion. But it's just like one more thing to break always, you know. <laughs> You know, we got to, yeah, we right. got to clean it. We got to change the padding on it. You know, there's, a, we got to, uh, the, the, the lenses are not working. We got to change the refractive power on it. Cause they're a myope, you know, it's so much easier just to hold a tablet or look at my right. laptop screen. So, so I, I understand right. the appeal of no hard extra things except red and blue glasses. Right. Right. And you know, you know, the, the hardware, I mean, a, an eye tracking camera, for binocular vision is, you know, anywhere from 300 or I think it's now at 300 to thousands of dollars. And if you're doing something just like an assessment, you know, why would you pay $300 for an eye tracker camera or for a doctor to pay the shipping fees to ship it out to a patient and for the patient to ship it back to the doctor? So, I mean, the... The ability to eliminate hardware is actually a very big deal. And the VR headsets cost, you know, $600 plus and you need a computer to run them. So being able to do very good telemedicine, um, it, it's, import, it's important to reduce hardware as much as possible uh, when doing telemedicine to where, I mean, what we're hoping to validate some uh to validate some uh, assessments to where we don't really need hardware for these particular assessments. So those are the things that we're working on right now and uh, we'll continue to work on in the future. Makes sense. Well, um, if people want to get in, in contact with you, I think the first step is if they're really interested in the product, whether you're VT or um, you just want to do the dabble uh, method of it, um, I'm assuming you'll, you'll you know start with a demo, like see what does this game look like? What, is, what does the, the patient portal look like? We talked about all the messaging, communication, adding the calendar. And um, I live in my calendar, like many, most of us today. And so anything that's linked up to Google Cal is like primo awesome. It's the best app on my phone is Google Calendar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the best way to get in contact with us is really go on our website, www.visionsciencelabs.com. And uh, from there, you can um, contact us. You could uh, schedule a webinar or a demo, and uh, we'll show you what we do. Uh, you know, and we'll be consultative. You know, there's a lot of VTs. They, they know what they want, but they're looking for an upgrade to their software to make certain things easier. Or we offer some exercises that just aren't on the market or, or settings for exercises that just aren't there that they really want. 
Um, so they'll go to us for that. But for primary care uh, uh, clinicians, you know, they might need a little bit more education on VT is when they go into optometry school, they do, I think like one semester of vision therapy, then it's done and then they start practicing and they kind of forget it. So um, so we try to be as consultative as possible to give them as much information as they need in order to start offering uh, vision therapy services to their clinic, whether it's the light version or the, the heavy version. Gotcha. Well, um, thanks Edward for giving us kind of the lowdown on, on VT. It's definitely the redheaded stepchild that doesn't get addressed very often. And I see why it's complicated and it takes a certain uh, crazy neurotic personality like yours to want to conquer it. So <laughs> yeah, conquer it, improve it, but it, you know, it really just comes down to, you know, we want, we want to help clinicians help their patients and, you know, give them as many treatment options for vision conditions as much as possible. So we don't want to, you know, stop in VT. If there's something else that we can do in the future, we're going to try and do it. Excellent. Hey, I know you're on TikTok. You're watching all those silly videos. Well, um, I do think this is the next professional platform. It's a great way to consume video. And I've been laying down a lot, a lot, a lot of optical education videos. So uh, whether you're an optometrist, you want to learn the business side or the technical, or you're an optician and you just want to freaking get down and dirty and some of the skits that I do and technical knowledge that I put through there, uh, head over to the show notes or just search entrepreneur on TikTok and you can watch 20, 30 videos.